You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. And welcome to the Peter Pan Show. This is 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And we'll be talking today about refusing to grow up, arrested development, and Peter Pan, not just, you know, us. Me. Like every week. Yay. That makes me sad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know. At least I got a cool green hat. Are you Link? Where's my Windy? <laughs> your Windy is not in this castle. <laughs> I'm sorry, Patrick. Your Windy is in another castle. <laughs> All Patrick's right. actually Luigi. Aw, that's the saddest Aww. thing I've ever heard. I want to be Luigi. You would. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Here. Oh, yeah, so... We are, uh, we watched Peter Pan movies this last week. I read a little bit of the book and we're talking about Peter Pan. So that's what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much more to say what about that. It. Yeah. M- Mike went through a second puberty and that's yeah, yeah. the intro there. There's a strange yeah. inflection on that one. Like that? <laughs> um, in the meantime, in between time. Yeah. You know what time it's for? Uh, it's time to uh, listen to listener feedback, I believe. We've it, got some emails, we've got a whole lot of tweets, and a couple of voicemails. We do. Yay! 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 Let's see, we've got... Well, first, let's do the email. Email from our loyal listener, Joe Abarino. Hey, Joe. Hooray for Joe. Uh, he looked at an article and talking about back-to-school foods from 70s to today, and uh, he wanted to know if we've done a snacks show. Have we done a show just specifically on snack food? No, we kind of teased uh, during the soda episode that we were going to do a, like, things you would find in the lunchbox between, like, snack cakes, fruit roll-ups, and juice boxes. Uh, we talked about that as a uh, show, so I think that snacks is going to kind of filter into that idea. Yeah. Well, he says, uh, have you guys done a snack show? Might not be a whole lot of difference, but I know that Doritos relaunched their taco-flavored ones. And Frito-Lay with all the crazy whacked-out flavors, plus combos. Oh, combos. Flamin' Hot Cheetos and Pirate Booty? Yeah, Pirate Booty. booty. Yeah, getting a little... Wait, is that a food? Yes, that's a food. it's like a a snack mix thing. Oh. It's like uh, puffed corn, but not popcorn. Oh. They kind of look like packing peanuts, but they're pretty good. Oh. I thought Joe was getting a little boy's tone on us. Yikes. Okay. So <laughs> That's next week's show. Seems like in the 80s there were less choices, but most things are still around. As part of the show, you can do a top five snacks, maybe top five for gaming, top five for movies, or top five for each of us. Maybe ask your listeners from around the globe to contribute too. We have, you know what? I just have to say, you know, we have listeners all over the world. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. I was actually on, uh, blueberry.com, dot com. I don't know why I added the blueberry, but, um, <laughs> What? No, I... I will, okay. not re- I will not rest until we have listeners in North Korea. Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. 
We'll have to I'm actually lying because I'm probably going to rest in about three hours. I was going to say, we're going to have to send our show out via mail, like all, letters. <laughs> all I want to say is to the seven listeners that we have in Brazil, thank you. <laughs> and to the one that we're going to have in North Korea, all hail glorious leader. <laughs> we hope you get our letter. Uh, speaking of fans around the globe on Twitter, uh, from New Zealand, uh, we had a couple of questions uh, and comments about Peter Pan from Nikki. Uh, she said that she liked Hook but has nothing to say about it. But hey, she asked if uh, we also watched Once Upon a Time. And that is a show that I watched, but I did not get far enough for the introduction of Peter <clears throat> Pan. I'm, I'm still somewhere in the first season. My kids love that show. I mean, no surprise, but it's it's uh, Young and the Restless for fairy tales. Sure. I mean, I, I honestly, I'm a big fan of uh, Bill Willingham's Fables, the comic book. Oh, God, and yeah. I kind of find that Once Upon a Time is like Fables light. It, I agree with you on that because it's like it's got all the drama of it and it's got the political intrigue, but it doesn't have – it's not as visceral as, right. uh, as Fables is. Not as many drugs and hookers and murder. No, not at all. <laughs> and not so nearly close. as close as Bill Willingham's Ironwood either, so – which was pre, pre, pre-Fables. Yeah. And uh, uh, I know that Fables is coming to an end, and I guess they're looking at a season two for the Wolf Among Us computer game, which is based on Fables. Yeah. That's but good. I don't remember if Peter Pan is featured in, in the, those comics. I don't know. I don't recall seeing Peter Pan in Fables at all. I mean, it mostly focused on more of the um, grim fairy tales. Yeah, but the, I mean, they've got Wizard of Oz. They've got all sorts of things. Yeah. All right. So, anyway. Anyway. How about... Uh, also uh, on Twitter, a tweet from Twitter. Maybelina. She asked, nearsighted gynecologist, best insult ever? Uh, a reference to Hook. <laughs> I thought that was a Twitter handle. <laughs> and, and, it possibly is. And we got a series of other tweets that we're going to talk about in the second half. Yes. It's really interesting. All right. Now we have some voicemails. Are we doing Randy or Luke first? I'd start with Luke. All right. Let's start with Luke. All right. This is Luke from Chicago. Hello, 40 going on 14. Um, this is Luke from Chicago which is kind of the name I use everywhere else, but I suppose it's not as specific for you guys. Um, I'm not originally from Chicago, but I do have lived here for the last few years. I'm actually driving on Lakeshore right now. Um, sidebar, how fast are you actually supposed to go on Lakeshore? Because it seems like no matter how fast I go, someone's always passing me, and when I go faster than them, it, things get really scary. So, um, yeah. Maybe some advice, because I don't know, and I assume at some point a cop is going to pull me over and give me a $9 million ticket. Um, so if you can save me from that, I would appreciate it, and, but we'll not give you any of the proceeds, um, because I'm kind of like that. Anyway, uh, I've, just, I've been listening to the show since the beginning, and I just wanted to call and say that I enjoyed it. I don't think I'd ever actually left any, any feedback. Um, been listening a lot lately um, while... Uh, Especially while traveling, so it makes it kind of tough, you know. You have a great idea, and then six hours later, you, you land and your phone works again, and it's like, what am I supposed to do now? So, that's good. Also, falling asleep to, to when Joel's talking, especially, is, is weird. Weird dreams, man. So, so careful on that front. You guys may know that already. Um, but, I just let you know, I enjoyed the show. Uh, keep it up, and, uh, and, and uh, I'm happy to hear about, uh, about Gen Con. Um, kind of what the, you know, the, the solo show, the solo Gen Con show was cool. Kind of see what comes out of that. 
Also, in the Gen Con theme, because the, the folks I know who do Gen Con tend to be heavy folk, types, you should kind of change the soundboard to to be, like, make random Cthulhu noises, especially if you don't know what they are in advance. So, like, you hit the button expecting the, and you just hear, like, the stars are right, or something crazy. I, I'd enjoy that. I don't know if anyone else would. Um, anyway, yeah, love the show. Keep it up. Bye. All right, that was Luke. I didn't get that reference, but Luke likes to wear a lot of uh, Hawaiian shirts and hats. But what was that reference about Cthulhu? He was saying that since uh, a lot of the people who do Gen Con are into Call of Cthulhu, we should have a random Call of Cthulhu noise soundboard. I can say that uh, my feedback on driving on Lakeshore Drive or just in Chicago in general is uh, if you're not screaming, you're probably not going fast enough. <laughs> And you're not going to get a ticket so long as you're going two miles an hour uh, slower than the fastest car. Yeah. And just be grateful you're not around for the S-curve. Yeah. I've always found basically just on Lakeshore Drive, if you just stick with the traffic and don't, like, break away from the traffic too much, they're not, you're not going to get pulled over. Yeah. And isn't and the guys that break away, they get pulled over. Isn't Patrick in charge of Cthulhu mo- noises? Well, lately, yes. <laughs> and, and also... Uh, any of our advice about how fast you can go and how to uh, avoid the law because of the way Chicago is may not apply if you are a minority. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. 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 So women, be careful. Um, that's not true. Anyway, uh, I was going to say that it's not a $9 million ticket, by the way. Only eight. Exactly. And um, falling asleep listening to my voice is heavenly. Food. Falling asleep to your voice is called you should know. Thursday. Joel does it all the time. He's yeah. <laughs> talking and starts snoring. I should call your wife, ask her, how often do you fall asleep to when Joel talks? And she's like, <laughs> whenever night. he's talking. <laughs> all right. It's actually a problem. And we have a voicemail from Randy from Cincinnati. Hey, guys, this is Randy from Cincinnati. Just want to let you know, uh, love the show. Got turned on to you guys by... Jeff and Jason over on the uh, History of Bad Ideas podcast. Been listening to you guys for the last three or four months. Trying to catch up on all the old episodes. Love them. It's great. You guys are hysterical. Uh, just listen to your Soda Pop episode. Really good. Actually enjoying a uh, Mountain Dew Live Wire right now. But uh, just wanted to let you guys know, uh, Joel, I'm the guy who was laughing at your uh, Green River float joke. I thought that was pretty damn hysterical. Yes! Uh, well, he's the one. We have one person that finds Joel funny. Yes! No, that's one person that's intelligent that gets my subtle humor, my grenade jokes. You do not have subtle humor. We've been over this. That was very <laughs> subtle. Thank you, Randy. You are my new favorite listener. Well, who was your previous favorite listener? Myself. Aww. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was Randy Travis at first. He's got a very deep voice with a little bit of a southern twang to it. I'm digging up bones. So, if you would like to contact, no, I'm not gonna us, lie. I, just I, like I Gary little, Ridgeway, no. there's another joke. I got a little excited when he started talking. Whoa, geez. <laughs> oh my god, it doesn't take much, does it? <laughs> Stiff hey, breeze. It's been a while. It's been yeah, a while. Yeah, give me one cool breeze up the yin yang, and you're doing all right. But if you'd like to all call I, us, all I need is a JC Penny catalog anymore. <laughs> oh man, those were the days. That's all it took. So. uh if you'd like to call us and let us know about your J.C. Penny catalog years, <laughs> give us a call at 708 now Wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Uh, 
Uh, you can also get us at 40go14 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at 40go14 and Facebook, 40 going on 14. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll let Joel know when somebody says that he's funny. No, you yeah, and won't. if you want to check out any of the shows, you can always find us on the Musings of a Geek podcast network and also on Geek Life Radio, Saturdays at noon. Yeah. All right. So, yay. Peter Pan. <clears throat> oh. I'm a real boy. So, it came out in 1953, which is why we've chosen the specific week for this Ooh. weekend. Oh, wait, 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 I think wait, it's wait. about that time. It is about that time. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of this. Ready? Ready? Yeah. Ready? This weekend. Music. Movies. And TV. <laughs> that was That's the Nick. music from Pee Wee Wee's Breakfast, right? I don't know what that was from, but that was Nikki. When Pee Wee makes his breakfast, it sounds like it doesn't it, but that was Nikki from New Zealand. She gave us our uh, 40 Going on 14 music, movies, and TV this weekend promo, so I made her made her uh, thing into a bumper. I thought that was hey. Josh. No, you don't want to hear Josh. Josh is a scary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I've got the dubstep remix. Yeah. That was fun. So this weekend is uh, 1953, the year that Peter Pan came out, and uh, Patrick is going to uh, read this one for me. Yeah, we went to the Wayback Machine, went to 1953, because I guess Mike was tired of hearing about Cosby and Family Ties. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I think Cosby still ruled supreme back then. <laughs> exactly. No Cosby and I spies, and everyone, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's find out. <laughs> nope. All right, so yeah, um, 1953. I guess you went with what this this actual week. Yes, this, the last week of August in 1953. All right, in music, uh, the song from Moulin Rouge. That's the name of the song. That's the name of the song. Hang on, hang on. Here, ready, ready. Wow. That was awesome. Uh, yes, isn't that great? Silence. <laughs> I thought it was. That sounds like the sound of silence. Yeah, that's because. Where'd it go? Are we still waiting? Are we, are uh, we're. Apparently, Mike is traveling back to 1950s. To oh, my God. Some... Why is this not working? <laughs> he went upstairs to get Percy Faith. Yeah, talk talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, so the yeah. song from Moulin Rouge, which apparently was supposed to be sampled right here, but is not going to be. And here it is. Wait. Wait. No, no, that's not it. Hang on. Here it is. <laughs> my Percy Faith is number one. Funny enough, this is not that song. This is that song. I know it. Doesn't sound like Percy Faith. Not at all. All right, that's enough of that. All right, hang on. All right, I don't remember Leonardo DiCaprio doing that number. Uh, a couple is- bits of trivia about that particular song. Uh, in the theme song, it was performed, uh, lip-synced by Zsa Zsa Gabor, but it was actually sung by Muriel Smith. Uh, the vocals, which we didn't get to in that little bit, uh, were by Felicia Sanders, and it was recorded by the per- Percy Faith Orchestra. So, ah. Yeah, there we go. But that okay, was... Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Number one song back in 1953. That was before rock and roll had been invented. True. Right. Right. In movies, 
August 27th, William Wyler's movie Roman Holidays starring Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn, period. That's not a complete sentence, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Was released. Wait, shut up. It's starring Audrey Hepburn's period? (laughs) I'm so going to disconnect your ass. So it was released or was number one or something? It was number one. Okay, it was number one. Or released, yes. Uh, This is considered the movie that launched Hepburn to stardom. I love Audrey Hepburn. Me too. Yeah. She has a All sec- the Hepburns are pretty pretty swell. She has a sexy neck. <laughs> you, you know, one of the reasons her her like her trademark, you know, like like skinniness and and everything is is due to her being raised in a concentration camp when she was a child. Yeah, I did know that actually. She, she wow. was malnourished as a as a child, so yeah. Wow. I feel yeah, hey, it worked. It worked. Yeah, I, I really have no appropriate statement past that point, Patrick. Let's just so thank move on you. To TV, TV well, it worked for her, I guess. Right? I mean, she TV. Yeah. So let's hear it for starving your children. Yeah. yeah. I am not endorsing Hitler. Let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. TV, August thirtieth. Kukla Fran and Ali is the first publicly announced experimental broadcast of an RCA compatible color TV show. For some reason, I actually know Kukla, Fran, and Ollie fairly well. I think my mom was a fan of it, so uh, I was raised knowing who Kukla, Fran, and Ollie were. I think that uh, it was in syndication on PBS. No, the reason you know them is because Kukla, Fran, and Ollie was a precursor to the Bozo show. And occasionally, Kukla, Fran, and Ollie would show up on the early, early uh, episodes of Bozo. You're all wrong. Kukla, Fran, and Ollie on a routine expedition. Were they puppets? What the hell are you talking about? The Land of the Lost. He's, yeah, he's doing Land of the Lost. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, Kukla, Fran, and Ollie are a bunch of puppets, man. Yeah. Yeah, Marshall, Will, and Holly, and he's doing Kukla, Fran, and Ollie. See, there you go. <laughs> See? Oh, my God. So, anyway, were, they, were Kukla, Fran, and Ollie puppets? Would somebody answer that? Yeah, they, they, were, were, puppets. they, they were puppets. Okay. And it was uh, Fraser Thomas who was the one who actually spoke to the puppets back and forth. Well, Fran wasn't a puppet. Fran was a person. Uh, Kukla was a clown with a big nose and kind of a bald spot, had kind of the monk's curdle. Sometimes he wore a hat. Yeah. And Ollie was this weird sock puppet sea monster thing with a big tooth in the. Yeah, he had the dra- He looked like kind of like a, a dragon. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah, kind of like a mentally handicapped dragon. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually, Ollie's full name was Oliver J. Dragon. Uh, and Fran was Fran Allison, who was a radio comedian and singer. Oh, nice. So it's strange a, what was considered entertainment back then, but it's strange again, it's what's strange considered what's entertainment, entertainment right, right now. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because of my mother's fascination with the show, I, I heard a lot about it growing up and I went to the museum of broadcast communications, uh, probably in my teens and watched, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 episodes of Kukla, Fran and Ollie and about uh, another dozen howdy doody episodes. It's howdy doody time. So, Alrighty. Yeah, and because was... Mike did these notes, there's no sports. Oh, no, there's yeah, sports. Yeah, sports. There's spurt. Spurt. <laughs> there's on August 30th, Robert Parrish is born, who will go on to play 1,611 regular season games in his career, an NBA record. Really? That doesn't know. That doesn't seem right. Did, did you make that up, Mike? No, I got it off of uh, Wikipedia. So somebody else made it up. <laughs> <laughs> Not an NRA. I find it hard to believe that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar does not have that record. No. Most well, NBA games played. I wonder if uh, Kareem's games played record includes uh, All-Star. Wow. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar ain't looking good recently. 
No, he's getting kind of old. Anyway, I don't know what you're looking for, man. <laughs> it's sport. That's the best I could do. Hey, it Come sounded on. sporty. 1953. Definitely. Oh, and uh, the 40 going on 14 uh, fantasy team has been drafted. Oh, it has. Oh, yeah. I, I did that uh, yesterday. Awesome. Into the military? For for what sport? <laughs> Football. Football. I, I actually was present for it. Uh, I had to do a portion of it on my phone because I expected to be drafting at work and ended up going home sick uh, at the worst possible time, meaning I actually had to draft while driving. Ugh. Don't draft and drive, kids. That's what they do <laughs> in the Fiesta and the Furious. You actually I, had a pretty good team, though. I mean, you sent me your team. It, it was pretty impressive, especially for that many, play, or that many teams in the league. I'm, but uh, you are correct, though, Mike. Robert Parrish has the record for games played. Woo! 1,611. Kareem okay. Abdul-Jabbar is 1,560. Nice. So, <laughs> I, I'm i not allowed to do fantasy football anymore. When I was working for the grocery store, I joined a fantasy football league, and I thought you had to draft each individual player. Yes, you told the story last week, Mike. I did? Yeah. Totally Shit. Did. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, I know, now I know what it feels like to be Pat. <laughs> Shut up. So uh, here you got a haircut. <laughs> you look just now like my dad. No, I don't, I, I don't look like... If I if I got a haircut that maybe look like my dad, I would have been in the you army. put it on your lip? <laughs> All right. So there's 40... There's uh this weekend. Buddy, here we go! Up to Neverland! Okay, so Peter Pan... Uh, Everybody thinks of Peter Pan. The first thing that pops in your mind is the Walt Disney Peter Pan. Correct? I'm a real boy. That's Pinocchio. Uh, Sometimes I I might think of like Sandy Duncan from the plays. That's great because Sandy Duncan was never Peter Pan. Was she not? No. It was Mary Martin. Huh. Could have sworn Sandy Duncan. Sandy Duncan did Peter Pan. No, she didn't. Yeah, that's why he was. Never mind. Yeah, I get I, the first thing when I type Sandy Duncan into Google, the first thing that comes up is Peter Pan. Really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, she did. She did Peter Pan on stage more than anything, though. Oh, that's how I was doing all the movies because the um, the uh, Mary Martin Peter Pan came out on video. <clears throat> okay, so anyway, Peter Pan. A little bit of a history. It was written by J M Barry. J M Barry. B A R R I E. Barry. Barry, I think. Yeah. J M Barry. Written as a play originally in 1902 and then rewritten by by him as a novel in 1911. And it debuted December 27th, 1904. Joel, did you delete the four there? I didn't delete anything. 1904. (laughs) December 27th, 190. (laughs) (laughs) It was done so many years before it was written. (laughs) But yeah, uh, it was originally uh, done as a play back in 1902, and all like I just said. So, skipping over that, has anybody read it? I got I've half- never read it, no. I got half- yeah, I've never actually read it, no. No, I got halfway through it. It was It's it's on, um, uh, not Creative Commons, what's the other thing, Josh? Gutenberg Project? Probably. But no, what's the, if it's no longer under copyright? Creative oh, public domain. Yeah, no, you're right, public, public it's domain. public domain. So, you can actually get it on um, Google and get it on Amazon and all that for free. So, but uh, let's skip forward to the Peter Pans that we knew. Disney's Peter Pan, February 5th, 1953 was the release date. Uh, the 14th feature animation released by Disney. It was the final movie released in partnership with RKO. And it was also the final movie where Disney's nine old men were all involved. So, 
Disney. Do you remember, know what Disney's nine old men are? No. no. Were they dwarves? No, no that's seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 every now and then they just pull nine of the presidents out of the Hall of Fame. You know, and they just make, <laughs> they just make them make, make CEO board decisions. And they're like, we're robots. We don't know what we're doing. That's okay. amazing that Disney is successful as it is. Disney's, Disney's nine old men were the core animators who eventually became directors of uh, – most of the most of the famous uh, animated cartoons from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs uh, onward to Rescuers, they are also being acknowledged as Disney legend. Uh, it's Les Clark, Mark Davis, Ollie Johnson, Mitt Call, Wart Kimball, Eric Larson, John Lorb- Lunsbury, Wolfgang Rearman, and Frank Thomas. Well, Not- why did you just name them? I would have recognized them then. Yeah, okay. If I had said all their names, you would have totally known. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard of Nine Old Men, but I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a great band out of Seattle. But yeah, the uh, the Nine Old Men were the original animators for Disney. So it was, this was the last uh, animated feature that they were all involved in in the same time. And uh, for a little bit of upbeat info, Bobby Driscoll was the child actor's uh, voice actor, child voice actor that voiced Peter Pan. Years later, he was found in an abandoned tenement in New York's East Village by two boys. He had died of heart failure from longtime drug abuse. They couldn't identify his body initially when police walked around and showed pictures of the corpse to people in the neighborhood, but they weren't able to figure out who he was. And he was buried in an unmarked grave in in, uh, Potter's Field in New York. If only they'd put a green hat on him. Oh. Oh. It wasn't until his father was dying... That his mother contacted Disney and was like, hey, can you help me find my son? Fingerprints were involved. They eventually found him, and uh, his his uh, name was added to his father's tombstone uh, out in California, I think. Colorado, California. But Wait, his, how old was he when he died? He was just, he was like 18 days before his 31st birthday. So that's yeah. why you shouldn't grow up. Yeah, yep. that's why you shouldn't be a child. <laughs> that's why you shouldn't be a child actor. And uh, but his his name is engraved on his father's tombstone, but his body remains in Potter's Field. All right. Did anyone else actually rewatch uh, uh, the Peter Pan from fifties? I have seen it so many times with having two children that what do you want to know? Well, no, I, <laughs> I rewatched it and I was shocked at how incredibly inappropriate this movie is. <laughs> what, what, like, what could you possibly mean? <laughs> Well, let's see. Let's start. Let's start with the less offensive bit of the fact that every single female character talks about cooking, sewing, being a mommy, or is involved in a cat fight because they all love Peter Pan. Oh yeah. And then we get to the Indian camp, <laughs> where they have a big song, mostly involving <laughs> "Me Like 'Em," "How," and "What Make the Red Man Red." <laughs> It was 1953, man. We didn't Everything know any better at that so point. What's your problem? <laughs> Not... <laughs> yeah. Keeping, keeping women and the red man down? Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, I, I will go, I, I will say that sometimes I will see something and people look back and they want to impose like modern morality on period pieces. And I'm like, okay, you're maybe going too far or you're maybe trying to sanitize everything. Uh, maybe a little too quick to call things racist you're reading too much in no this this shit is sexist and racist (laughs) look at the time though i mean you look at a lot of cartoons back then that was that was not uncommon well i mean yeah i'm not gonna defend like disney's jumbo that had the song of the south 
<laughs> well, I mean, how about uh, When I See an Elephant Fly, which is a minstrel show number literally done by a black crow named Jim Crow. <laughs> yeah, Disney had some racial sensitivity issues. They they just weren't very original they, with names. They know like the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was I I was shocked uh, that I had forgotten how I mean, the rest of it was fine when it wasn't being incredibly offensive. It was a pretty good <laughs> Disney movie. What about the pirates, man? Nobody ever thinks of the pirates, especially considering the Captain Hook shoots one of them dead in like the first 20 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that part. Just yeah, started... the guy's just singing and Captain Hook pulls out a gun and shoots him. Well, he doesn't even look. That's the best thing. <laughs> He's like, I'm not, you know, he knows where it's coming from. Captain Hook was a crack shot over his shoulder. And Smee's only reaction is it's bad form to shoot a man in the middle of his credenza. <laughs> Smee! <laughs> all right. So where do we all stand on this? We know Josh is on the, oh my God, I can't believe this is so racist. I, ever even when I first saw it, I didn't, I didn't care for this. And the biggest reason is, is that Peter Pan's kind of an a-hole. You know what? He is. I mean, you watch like it, especially in the Disney version, he is a giant a-hole. Like, he is unlikable. Well, he's and, narcissistic. I mean, that's one of his defining characteristics. Well, I mean, he's also, no, that's part of the whole not growing up thing. Yeah, in the original ending for the book and the play, as far as I understand it, basically he tells Wendy he's tired of playing house with her. And the main thing is it's a coming-of-age story where she realizes that uh, he's never going to grow up. Uh, the whole thing was a game to him and she moves on and decides to grow up because the whole thing is Peter Pan is a childish figure and she's got to leave those things behind her in the nursery. That's so sad. Anyway, that, that, that was my thought even back as a kid and, and rewatching some of it as an adult. I just, I don't know. I've never a huge fan of the storyline anyway, but in that movie, especially they, it's to an almost annoying degree. Well, Peter Pan, I mean, he's supposed to be the childlike, whimsical, I guess, a version of, you know, he never grows up. So you think about children. Children are extremely narcissistic. Excuse me. <coughs> okay. <laughs> children are extremely narcissistic. They're very self-centered. He is like the distilled essence of all that. It's sort of a puck-like figure. Mm -hmm. In reading the, uh, in reading the book, there's also a scene later on in the more, uh, the 2003 version where he looks over his shoulder and he just begins to forget that he's got these other people with him. And there's one scene where they're traveling and he looks over his shoulder and sees Michael there and he's like, I'm sorry, who are you? You know, do I know you? And Michael's like, yeah, we've been hanging out. You're flying us to Neverland. He's like, oh, okay, cool. I guess that's what we're doing then. I mean, he has no, no real root in reality whatsoever. No object permanence. Yeah, pretty much. <gasps> Where'd he go? <gasps> <laughs> yeah, so. he, had, he has. I mean, he was he was designed and written as that kind of a character. He has a lot of childish characteristics. You know, the like you said, like I said, the narcissism, narcissism, self-centered, you know, and just you know the ability to take credit for everybody else's work. You know, like I mean, there, there's a there's a scene where uh, he loses his shadow, and Wendy manages to attach it back to him, and he's like, "Look at how great I am." <laughs> I mean, it, it's just you know, I mean, that's typical childlike behavior and so since he always stays as a child he acts like a child despite all his magical abilities and power and everything he's still a child there's a difference between being a child and being an a-hole 
At least like that. Well, and children are assholes. I yeah, they are, man. I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention. Kids are kids can be real assholes now and then. <laughs> but it's in an endearing way. I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded. Maybe I was jaded back when I was five. I was jaded back when I was five, but I couldn't tell anybody because I couldn't speak yet. You couldn't speak at five? No, I could only go. His mom, his mom wouldn't allow him to speak. Yeah, I was afraid of the turkey carcass. <laughs> wow. And apparently uh, Peter being kind of an enormous a-hole was sort of true to the book. I, I just saw just tying my opinions about it in with what Joel was saying. Uh, at the end of the scene with the Indians in the book, they talk about the Indians prostrating themselves uh, before him and called Peter the Great White Father. And he liked this tremendously. And there was much rejoicing. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, direct quote, the great white father, he would say to them in a very lordly manner as they groveled at his feet, is glad to see the Piccaninny warriors protecting his wigwam, wigwam from the pirates. Wow. I didn't get that far into it. Wow. <laughs> wow. 1904, man. That was a different world. <laughs> Holy shit. Oof. Well, uh, what's a different world? Literally. No, not literally. Well... <laughs> I mean, after after Cosby's, you know, they split off the Cosby show. It's totally a different world. Where's I that? couldn't think of his name. Kadeem Hardison. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We can move on, I think. I can't believe this is, this is the second Dwayne Wayne reference tonight. I referenced him earlier. I'm noticing a trend. Yes. And is Pat sounding like a Transformer to anyone else? Yeah, bit. he is. Okay. I mean, more than normal, but. All right. Sorry. So. Where the hell did my show notes go? Okay, there we go. Peter Pan, the musical. Uh, eventually, they uh, decided that maybe we should do the heavily edited version of Peter Pan on stage. And it has been done uh, three, four times? We had the fourth time was with who? Well, I, I don't know where you're getting your information because she's like most well-known for the Broadway revival. Sandy Duncan was most well-known for the Broadway revival of I've, Peter Pan. I've had a rough week, man. I feel That's fine. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Okay, she, I remember. She, she actually made appearances on Johnny Carson and stuff, you know, because she was. Okay. Yeah. And tossing she's like, she's like her the most look. famous Peter Pan on Broadway. Yeah, Peter Pan and his wheat thins. Yes. So uh, Mary Martin. Also did it. That you know why? Because I think I totally overlooked it. Because Mary Martin's nineteen uh, sixty. They all seem to come out in for the Disney one and the Kathy Rigby one. They all came out in December. Hmm. Christmas. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't know why. It's, it seemed. It seemed weird to me because it seemed like everybody, like my parents, would always equate Peter Pan with you know Christmassy type stuff. But apparently, oh. this showed. They showed this at Christmas time every December. But Mary Martin. Uh, December 8th, 1960. That was the one I remember when that came out on video back when I worked at the, uh, the store in, uh, like 1990, 91. And that was a huge hit. Everybody, I mean, we saw, we rented out of that one quick. Everybody wanted to see the Mary Martin version of Peter Pan when that came out on VHS. Uh, there was also a Mia Farrow version came out in 1976, again in December, with Danny Kay as Captain Hook. I, and, uh, you're supposed to say Danny fucking K. <laughs> Danny K is too nice, though. Like, he's like Mr. Nice Guy in all of his nice movies. Nice guys always play good villains. I just can't imagine it, though. Now I want to see Dick Van Dyke it. is a great villain. You ever see him play a villain? No. Which one? In, in like, any kind of murder mystery stuff. He did all kinds of, like, Columbo episodes. Really? Yep, well, he's, he's a very good bad man. He's bad he's guy. like the last person you would expect to see. Exactly. <laughs> That's why he's so good at it. No, but yeah, I I haven't seen this one, but I know that I would love to see Danny Kaye as Captain Hook because I think he would totally play it over the hilt. No one? 
No, I agree. I yeah, Seems no, I'd fine, like to see yeah. it. I yeah. just I just can't imagine it. That's all. <laughs> all right, and Sandy Duncan, nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty one, played Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tossed around her wheat thins. And then in 2000, Kathy, Rig- <laughs> Kathy Rigby played uh, Peter Pan. So. All those on stage on Broadway. Yeah. On stage on Broadway. All those were that when you would see them, it would be stage action type stuff. So. All right. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about Hook, considering it was 1991. Yeah. We should definitely move that one to the past. Yeah. Uh, night, December 11th, again, again with the December, Hook came out, 1991, with Robin Williams as Peter Banning and Peter Banning and Peter Pan, Dustin Hoffman as Hook, and Julia Roberts as Tinker Hell. That is actually what they called her. That's not the, true. Uh, IMDb, baby, on the trivia. Okay. Was they, it just because of Julia Roberts? That was something that I glossed over, but the character in general is a little psychopath. Oh my god, yeah. In every single version of Peter Pan, Tinker Bell is a complete and utter nut job. But yet she has her own movies now. She's got her own franchise. Yeah. Right. Like all these little girls like look up to her and I don't think most of them realize that in her original appearances, she's all like trying to murder other little girls. Yeah, she's very, very jealous and very in love with Peter Pan and doesn't want anybody else to even talk to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well in the in the uh the Disney one, she's completely psychotic with it. I mean it's everyone sees her as this little, you know, oh she's a pixie, she's so cute, blah blah blah. And that sort of thing. But no, she's straight up well, as soon as Wendy starts talking to Peter Pan, she's evil. Get out of my territory. She got a little man syndrome and she's very, very little, so mm. But not a man. So not. Well, All right. Little man syndrome. I didn't say she was a little man. Well, the I have to say, and Joel, does your do does your daughter watch any of the Peter Pan or the yeah the Tinkerbell ones? The Tinkerbell yeah. ones. Yeah. Now there's like, hey, it's Tinkerbell's sister. We discovered and it's Tinkerbell and the pirate fairies. And, Let's talk about that in the now. Yeah, no, I'm Let's just, well, I'm just, okay. Let's talk about a hook now. All right, hook. So the then. We're in the then. We'll talk about that we'll now, talk, now. All right, we'll talk about okay. then. Okay, back then, <laughs> uh, some trivia from Hook, as Patrick puts me, all, of all people, puts me back on track. The kissing couple who begin to float away when fairy dust lands on them in the beginning of the uh, movie is George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. Very cool. And they had to shave Robin Williams' upper body and arms to for him to be Peter Pan. Which I can only think involved a good hour and a half to two hour event. Yeah, no Because he is one hairy mofo. Or rather, I'm sorry. Used to be one hairy mofo. So he's like a little gorilla running around. Yeah. And Greek and Armenian. Of course he was hairy. <laughs> it's, uh, I have a little bit of a confession about Hook. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't actually like it very much. I don't either. Thank, Thank you. you. I don't like it either. Oh, I hate oh, it when my I first God. saw it. And. Does anybody feel kind of sympathetic for Captain Hook that he's being antagonized by this annoying brat that just apparently does no, no, doesn't want to grow up and not in a good way? I, I don't know. The thing is with Hook is that the whole thing felt so out of place. Yeah. I mean, I liked the stuff with the Lost Boys. Don't get me. Even, Even though it's crazy 1990s with them like skateboarding around and slam dunking basketballs and. All sorts of crazy stuff. I did like, uh, especially the big bangerang scene with Peter remembering who he is and, uh, trading insults with Rufio. That was actually really cool. That was an awesome scene. Yeah. But 
And, and I will give them props for the way they did the Lost Boys in the story, because the original concept of the Lost Boys is if you're an orphan and no one finds you in seven days, you end up in Never Never Land. And you could see that the Lost Boys have clothes from different time periods, indicating that they've been turning up from the time in the early 1900s through like there's one kid dressed like the 1950s, some dressed like the 1920s. So I, I will give them credit for actually thinking that through. But I don't know. It's got a little bit of the Santa Claus syndrome with uh, Peter constantly trying to make up more and more elaborate excuses to, like, deny what's right in front of his face. And then Dustin Hoffman is chewing the scenery just way too over the top for my taste. You think? Yeah. I think the whole movie is way too over the top, personally. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this this is like a cult classic for pop culture. So are we four for four on not actually really liking it? I think we are. I've, I've never really cared for it. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm kind of happy. I thought I was alone in my principles. No, I, I, all not. four of us have agreed on something. So <laughs> that's it, folks. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. <laughs> I guess we're done. We'll see you all next week. Oh, wait. So, no, I, I hook. I agree with you, Josh. Completely over the top. Completely overplayed. Uh, the only the only character I really enjoyed out of this, I'm not even going to say Rufio, is probably Smee. Mm, Bob yeah. Hoskins? Bob, yeah. yeah, I mean, first off, because it's Bob Hoskins. You know, you got to love Bob Hoskins. But, I mean, it's he, he plays that nice, you know, he plays it very nicely. He runs it very cool. I mean, I like him as Smee. Uh, Dustin Hoffman as Hook is so uh, caricature-ish of what Hook was in the book and was in the previous um the previous movies, the previous stories. So I mean, there's almost, no almost turned him into a into comic relief, which is not what he's supposed to be. No, he's supposed to be threatening. He's supposed to be a a, a threat to growing up. He's not supposed to be a you know the. Well, I mean, he only stays in Neverland in the first place because he wants to kill Peter Pan. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, I mean that's the same reason. That's the same reason that uh, he stays in Neverland in the movies. Because remember, Peter Pan is gone once Peter Pan leaves the... Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying that, that that kind of right there, so, I mean, he sacrificed his entire, like, you know, his life just to stay in this one place to try and get revenge. That kind of tells you a lot about his character. He's not exactly a comic relief type of character, is what my point. Yeah. Joel, you got anything? I don't know. I just... In, in watching it again, I was hoping that maybe I would have been wrong. Like, maybe I would enjoy it a little more, but I just found myself feeling the exact same way the first time I watched it. No, and and it's goofy stuff like the boo box. Yeah, you know that completely. First off, completely unnecessary. And you know, if somebody bet against Hook in the original Hook, I mean, he shot a guy for singing in the first movie. You know, why wouldn't he just shoot him for this? And why has got to go? You know, he's got a special box to put people in. I mean, it's everything seemed overtly cartoony in this one. And what about the little boy that rolled down the stairs in a ball? Oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> I hated that part. Yeah, I see. I have no complaints about the Lost Boys and Hook, but uh, the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't care for the script. Uh, I loved Robin Williams performance, of course, but Dustin Hoffman didn't do it for me. I got the I got the decision for Robin Williams. I will say that. And I, you know, it was nice to see him again, although it made me sad because both he and him and Bob Hoskins had passed. But um, I, I, I got the decision for it, but I didn't think it was pulled off the way it could have been for some reason. It did. It seemed like the, the, the concept that was good, but not the execution. No. That's fair. Yeah. I'll give it the idea that 
that Robin Robin uh, Robin Hood that Peter Pan comes back, which first off is completely against any ending of uh, any of the other previous stories. But yeah, well, I mean, they tried to tie it in, saying that uh, the story ended the way it ended, and then later Peter came back. But he he took too long, and Wendy was already an old woman by the time he got back. Like, it, it kind of, I don't think it contradicted anything. It decided to take it in a different direction. Mm. Uh, the concept was fine. The execution was just flawed. Yeah. Who directed this? Steven Spielberg. Wow. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. I looked it up because I'm it like, I knew like was a f- it doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie. No, it really doesn't. I, well, I kept thinking, I'm like, somebody famous directed this. And. I, I finally looked it up and I was like, wait, what? He must I, have yeah. had just a weak moment. He must have lost a bet or something. <laughs> it's George Lucas. Yeah. I yep, bet you Produced by Frank Marshall. Like this had all of the right pieces. All right. Across the three of you, give me a tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes on critics. What about this movie? What's our, what, what's per, our what, per, what percentage of people oh. that, that liked it? And give me just the critics who liked it. I'm going to say... Forty-two percent. Okay, Joel. Uh, I'm gonna say sixty-three percent. Patrick, and I want to say fifty-three. Thirty percent. Whoa. Of critics. Now, audience. That. What percent? Uh, seventy. Eighty-one. I'll go with my sixty-three still. Then. Seventy-six. That's we. That's interesting. It's interesting that phenomenon because you see that a lot. I mean, you'll see that a lot, but. Oh, and it's Steven Spielberg, which just blows my mind. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's most of the movies that I've, uh, that I've watched have, usually the critics are like, this is crap, but, you know, I'll watch it. Big Trouble in Little China? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a phenomenal film, though. Come on. Oh. That Tip is toes. an well, amazing film. Tiptoes? Huh. Yeah, I know. Not Tiptoes, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, well, uh, it was also amazing. Big Trouble uh, in Little Vagina. A little bit more about Hook here. It made a profit of $50 million for the studio, but was considered a financial bomb. Uh, neither Spielberg, Robin Williams, or Dustin Hoffman took salaries for the film. Uh, their deal said that the three of them would split 40% of the gross. Hmm. Good job on that. I mean, reference. eventually, it ended up doing $300 million worldwide. So, I mean, they did fine. Oh, yeah. Not worried about how well they are, but still, that I mean it, it. It you know what the thing about the hook is is that it took it, it took Peter Pan in such an implausible situation. I mean, why would I mean Peter Pan at the end of the story, at the end of all the other movies, he leaves and runs back to Never Neverland. Why would you start him out as being yeah you know a cell phone wielding was what was he a lawyer? He's a lawyer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a lawyer in mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, I mean, first of all, why a lawyer? I mean, you could see him being like a comic book shop owner or a game store owner or, you know, a juggler for the circus. You can't, I mean, to make such an incredible flip-flop from what you were to what he's doing now, I mean, it's... That was kind of the point, is that they were trying to make him the modern equivalent of a pirate uh, make with a fear of flying, very practical, uh, uh, basically everything the opposite of what he was so they could make his transformation back into being Peter Pan, sort of a character journey. And I get what they're going for, but they ended up just making him a caricature rather than a character, both as Pan and as Banning. Well, what they did is actually they, in the, in the beginning, they actually made him into Mr. Banning. They made him, I mean, uh, Banning? Yeah. Yeah. Peter they, Banning. they made him into the dad version because it's traditional in all of the Peter Pan movies that in either the same actor voices over 
uh, the dad and uh, Captain Hook, or it plays the same one. You know, you have the same character played as Captain Hook and the, the dad. Both are played by the same actor, voiced by the same actor. In this one, they essentially had the dad version being played by Peter Pan and then Peter Pan and then not having any sort of foil to that. I mean, it was supposed to be the dad in the beginning is supposed to become Captain Hook later on. So you have this, you know, this challenge to staying young, staying a child is your dad telling you to grow up. Whereas in this one, it was the dad in the beginning is, you know, you have to grow up in the very beginning. But then there is no flip side to the coin when Peter Pan becomes Peter Pan again. Yeah. Yeah. We are not alone in our negative assessment. Apparently, this is one of the uh, movies that Spielberg has done that he personally does not care for. What's another one? Uh, I I have no answer to that question. Okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was not prepared for that question. Oh, sorry. I was like, what else did he not like? I just hear that he gave an assessment uh, just last year of Hook saying, and I quote, I, I want to see Hook again because I so don't like that movie. And I'm hoping someday I'll see it again and perhaps like some of it. Wow. That's Coming from statement. Spielberg, that means that's real crap. Yeah, he, he didn't like his uh, his work on that movie. So. Wow. All right. We are uh, ready for the break, gentlemen. Yes. Can I throw one more thing in real quick? No. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention the the 90s cartoon, Peter Pan and the Pirates. Did any of you guys ever watch that? Nope. 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 No. Okay. It, it, I, I just want to throw it out there as a footnote because I used to watch it periodically. Um, and it, it's not terrible, but it uh, still had Peter Pan as kind of a jerk. But uh, I don't know. Check it out some point. It's probably it animated? Not, yeah, it probably doesn't hold up well. It's called Peter Pan and the Pirates. It was on Fox. Well, the then. End. Okay. Shall we break, gentlemen? Let's yes. break. All right. Bangarang! Prison barber. Muddle lover. Nearsighted gynecologist. In your face, camel cake! In your rear, cow derriere. All right, so we're back. Uh, I guess we're going from 1991 to on. From, yes, uh, Hook. specifically to 2003. Yeah, we're making a huge jump. I mean, there's there were some more Peter Pan things in between there, but it was all like, you know, Walmart discount bin versions of Peter Pan. So it's like Disney direct-to-video stuff? Yeah, there was Peter Pan. There was a sequel to the cartoon Return to Neverland, which was crap. And there was there was another one, I recall. But, uh, yeah, what? And there was a peanut butter? Yes. Return to Neverland came out in 2002. And it goes back with uh, Wendy's daughter, who gets kidnapped by Captain Hook. So, Are there wheelers involved? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if not, I'm not interested. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely watch it if there's no wheelers. Yeah. But um, in the last couple of years, I mean, the huge thing has been the uh, Disney fairies. As a guy who has two daughters, the um, the Disney fairies and the, you know, the Tinkerbell, now they have like a dozen different uh, different fairies. They've got, you know, the... the yeah, the, and the, my, my little six-year-old niece has every single one of them yeah, the ra- in, in Barbie, fi- Barbie form. Yeah. Yeah. The racially diverse group of fairies, because you've got to have a white one, and a black one, and an Asian one, and one that looks like she could be Greek. And it's like fairies brought to you by Benetton. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, that's good. I mean, that way you don't have yeah. a whole class of uh, individual little girls who have nothing, no character to look up to that looks like them. But yeah, there's uh, they actually... Um, got rid of Ariel back in, in Disney World. Ariel, the Little Mermaid, had her grotto where the kids can come, little girls can come and see 
Little Mermaid. She was like the most popular thing in Disney World for the longest time where they got rid of the grotto and put in Fairy Hollow, I Hmm. think it's called. Yeah, so they traded in uh, Little Mermaid for Tinkerbell and her gang of miscreants. Why are they miscreants? Not because they're always getting into different... uh, Always, it, it, in every every episode, they're like, "Oh my gosh, we should not do this because this is against the rules." Oh, guess what? They're doing it. You know, it's their their basic message is: if you don't follow the rules, what follows is adventure, and then everybody forgives you at the end. So basically, you're pretty. so yeah. basically, it's what people feared the My Little Pony cartoon was going to be. Pretty much interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it looks like most of the other Peter Pan stuff are actually. Uh, original works based on like a Peter and the Star Catchers, Peter and the Shadow Thieves, Peter and the Secret of Run Dune. Oh, the books. Yes. Arr. Yes, the books are made by uh, Barry. Um, help me here, White. Josh. Not Barry White. Uh, Dave Barry. Dave and Barry. A Ridley Pearson. Yes, Dave Barry, the guy who did the the does the articles uh, in the you know in the Sunday papers, the comedy articles about grow, you know living being older. You know he did the book called. Uh, eat well, stay fit, die anyway. Uh, he's a, he, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's a comedy writer. These books are fantastic. They, uh, they address where Peter Pan came from, where, who the, you know, there's this whole, uh, mythos of the star catchers. We had those as bedtime stories for years coming, uh, with my girls. Nice. Yeah. Good, good stories. I can only, I can only give, you know, two thumbs up to both of them. If you're going to read a story about Peter Pan, these are, uh, engrossing. They are very well written for children, for kids' books. And, you know, we have, we have them all in hard, in hardbound. So there you go. Okay. But, uh, back to the world of film. Uh, we've got 2003's Peter Pan retelling by Universal Pictures, Columbia Pictures, and Revolution Studios. Is there anybody else involved? MGM, Paramount? Nope. Platinum Dunes. Was, uh, directed by PJ Hogan. (laughs) He's like, I'm moving on. Sorry. I have to go get a Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mike has gone, traveled back to last week's show. I got a half a case of throwback sitting in the fridge right now, so nice. good stuff. Yo. So this uh, stars Jeremy Sumter as Peter Pan, who's best known for his TV work on Friday Night Lights, and Jason Isaacs as Captain Hook, uh, also known for playing Lucius Malfoy and doing the voice of Satan for Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Have Have you any of you guys seen this one? I actually saw this this afternoon. Uh, I think that uh, this was actually surprisingly good. Like, I don't know why I hadn't heard anything about it. This, I um, actually saw this in the theaters. When it really? Was, yeah. Uh, I took the girls to go see this. It was one of those, let Suzanne have a day off to herself. I took the girls out for lunch, took them to the movies. The Crocodile in this one, while CGI, and very obviously CGI now, Back in 2003, was uh, really pretty good. The effects in this were impressive. Uh, the CGI and the effects that they used to make uh, Jason Isaac's hand just be a stump was really good. But I think the best part of the entire movie was when the crocodile first shows up. And there's, I don't remember if it was in 3D or not. I don't think it was because I don't it seems think like th- that would have been bef- like you know, right on the cusp of when that was. Yeah, it was sorry. pre. It was pre. 3D, like hoo-ha. Right. But um, I do recall in the scene where the crocodile lunges at Captain Hook, and they show it from a first-person perspective with a crocodile lunging almost out of the screen. 
it took me a good 10 minutes to get Sophia off my head. <laughs> it was the, it was just a scream. And then all suddenly they were both in my lap. Um, but no, I, I saw it in the theater. And honestly, this, I think is one of my favorite versions of Peter Pan, uh, in the trivia I had. And there's this, this is actually the first live action sound film version of the story released to movie theaters. The Mary Martin version, uh, was in 1955. Uh, the, uh, Producers Showcase and Peter Pan 1960 were all preserved on kinescope and videotape, all for television. So they were actually theater versions taped for television. And Mia Farrow version was also shown on television and videotape format. And uh, Hook was not considered a version of Peter Pan. <laughs> they yeah, just I'm, discount this is a that. Really faithful retelling of the Disney movie, only with all the racism and sexism cut out. Well, it also pays a good homage to the book also. I mean, there's a lot of lines in this story where Wendy is doing the voiceover that are straight out of the book. The whole con- the whole um statement in the beginning of her mom having this kiss at the corner of her mouth that she could just not get is congruent in the in the story is that there's always this like hidden portion of the mom that even the dad is unable to get to. And the dad, they also, uh, also played by, you know, Jason Isaacs also plays a father in this one as traditional through the entire, uh, right. series <laughs> is being a very calculating, um, in the book when the mother has Wendy, they sit at the bed and the father has to discuss and discuss with the mother. Don't interrupt me. You know, I'm figuring this out in the, how much it's going to cost to have this child. And if we take back a little bit of this, if I don't have coffee, you know, literally it says, if I don't have coffee at work, that'll save me this much money and we can do this. And if they get the mumps, that they have this, if they get whooping cough, it'll cost this. And at the end, it'll cost us about this much money to have this child. I guess, I guess we'll keep it. <laughs> so it's very calculating, very cold as the father in the, in the book and in this one also. I mean, he's very, standoffish although i'd say he's one of the more sympathetic interpretations of the father character certainly more so than the disney cartoon father oh yeah very much so especially in the scene where wendy and the dog burst into the uh gringotts bank um (laughs) right (laughs) i think it's the same set but uh no uh and jason isaacs is hook awesome yeah did i not tell you guys that he was the best hook i've seen so far uh, I agree with you 100%. He was menacing uh, when he needed to be menacing. He was sympathetic when he needed to be sympathetic. Manipulative when he needed to be manipulative. Yeah. Um, Overall, I, I was very impressed with his performance. Yeah, I was the very scene where he wakes up at the desk at, from a face plant at his desk in the captain's uh, captain's cabin and is just completely different from the the uh, character that you've seen as the father. But you know it's him. He's almost got that... Um, ah, crap, I forgot his name. He plays Zorg. He plays Commissioner Gordon. Uh, who's the actor? I got nothing. Gary, Gary Oldman. Oldman. Gary Oldman. He's got a Gary Oldman-esque type uh, attitude to himself where he can just address this character. He can, You know, what character do you need me to be for this? And there's a whole scene where uh, Hook is getting himself ready for the day. He's... And uh, Smee is helping him out, and he straps on. It's not just like a hook that's wrapped around his wrist. It's this harness that he wears over his shoulder, over the opposite shoulder, goes across his arm, and he has a ratchet that he has to crank to make it stay on. And that's it's this whole, 
I mean, they right out at the very outset, they have this very menacing, very you can tell there's something wrong with this guy at the very beginning of the uh, beginning of the uh, scene where you see Captain Hook. <coughs> but then he turns around and will you know charm Tinkerbell into betraying Peter Pan. Yeah. Uh, this uh, film is also unique for actually using a Native American actress to play Tiger Lily. Yes. Um, uh, the other thing I thought that was really cool is I am first to complain if just to make a token nod towards gender equality, they give a character like inexplicable fighting skills. In our very first episode of the podcast, I called out the new Conan for doing this, for taking a character that has no reason to be a fighter, show herself as a kick-ass fighter for a little bit, and then go right back to being a victim to be rescued. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that in this. They very clearly showed all of the kids having their pretend fight training uh, where they use their imaginations with them fighting off pirates, and all of the kids have equal imaginary, inexplicable pirate fighting skills. It doesn't, like, ring false at any point that Wendy is picking up a sword and fighting pirates alongside her brothers because that's what they did as kids. That's how they played. And all of the kids who played that way had those skills for the fight scenes. Mm -hmm. I, I thought it was really, really well done. No, and the um, when you're going on about uh, Tiger Lily being oh, – let's see if I can find it. Uh, in the whole scene where she gets captured by Captain Hook um, – where she's talking to him, and, oh, come on, where'd it go? This is great, great radio, folks. Great radio. Me searching for things online while you guys listen. Uh, when she is, okay, Carson Gray, in her interview, when she is speaking to Hook, she is actually speaking Iroquois. Nice. And she says to him, you are the life stealer, you are evil, you smell bad, you smell of bear poop, you are many moons old and ugly. That's awesome. Isn't it great? And, and this, I think some of the, a lot of, a lot of the cool things that were added to this one was like the, the interaction between Tiger Lily and Michael. Sure. I mean, uh, well, no, it wasn't Michael. It was, uh, John, uh, John, John Darling. Yeah, John Darling. When they, they get into a fight, uh, with the pirates and John Darling saves, you know, he, he fights off the pirates and impresses, uh, Tiger Lily to the point where she grabs him and kisses him. There was a lot of use of color in this movie also. A lot of the facial, like, he, uh, Tiger Lily kisses John Darling, and he suddenly becomes this, you know, they're trying to get this gate open. And he turns around, rolls up his sleeves, and just with one crank, starts to crank the gate open, you know, just because he got this kiss from from her. And then, you know, you see her making goo-goo eyes at him for the rest of the movie. But, right. um, uh, no, I mean, it's, they, I think they took a lot of time with this one and made it as accurate as you could possibly get. Yeah, without being offensive, you don't have every single female character in the uh, entire story just pining over uh, Peter or getting into jealous cat fights over Peter. No. Uh, and they kept in, because you can't really tell the story of Neverland without having like the Indian camp and all that, but they handled it with as much respect as uh, is possible to be still true to the original story. Yeah, the whole scene where they were bringing, they were healing the fallen warrior was really well done. I mean, they yeah. did it, they did it tastefully, they did it accurately, you know, and they did it in a way that wouldn't be like, you know, I don't say offensive, but degrading. Right. So, so moving on to basically this year, 
I yes. think we are to 2013 with the uh, web series, The New Adventures of Peter and Wendy. We just discovered this not two hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, late. Uh, whenever we go live, I always send out a call to Twitter. You can tweet uh, us at 40go14, and it helps uh, immensely if you tweet me directly at Doc Stout. Uh, and I read the tweets on air as I did at the beginning of the show. And I happen to hashtag, uh, the tweet with the Peter Pan hashtag. And we were reached out to by the creators, uh, in particular, the lead actress for the new adventures of Peter and Wendy. And, uh, we watched a couple episodes uh, before we got rolling. I'm impressed. Yeah. It's, it's a very, uh, the pitch concept for the web series was basically uh, New Girl meets Peter Pan. Yes. Yeah. I would say that's accurate. Yeah, you've got Peter's, like, arrested development kind of I-never-grew-up thing represented by his childlike nature. He's got kind of this friend relationship, but he wants it to be more with Wendy. Uh, he's got a relationship with the childish side of both of her brothers, who are kind of played as uh, Michael's got Teddy as a backpack. Uh, mm -hmm. and John is more of the, uh, Felix to his brother's Oscar, where he's much more uptight, wears suits, yeah, that sort of thing. Reminds me more of, um, Michael J. Fox on Family Ties. Right. But, uh, no, we haven't, uh, watched a whole bunch of these. I mean, like I said, we've just started, we, we just discovered them right before the, uh, show started up, but I'm definitely going to finish them. I'm impressed with it. I think, it, I think it, uh, it looks like a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a long time since we've seen a good retelling of Peter Pan, and especially in a modern setting where it's going to be like set up like this. Yeah, as of at least the second episode, uh, Tink is introduced as the person behind the camera who is filming all of the other characters. And Tink mostly speaks in various chimes. Uh, has reasons for not going to certain things. And they refer to her as the only fairy in Neverland. And Neverland is the town they all live in. So I, I haven't gotten deep enough into it yet since we just discovered it as we were about to get recording. Um, but uh, by the time you hear this, uh, hopefully they will be successful in uh, saving the show. Uh, they have uh, Paula Rhodes, who plays Wendy, uh, sent us the tweet. Uh, letting us know what's going on. And they have a uh, Indiegogo campaign to make sure that a season two happens. They're hoping for $55,000 and they're already, as of the recording of this podcast, at 38583 So wow. head over to Indiegogo and look up Peter Pan. We'll uh, definitely put out the uh, Indiegogo link on our Twitter feed and on the uh, the show notes. Yes, hopefully. Well, by unfortunately, by the time this goes live, I think the Indiegogo campaign will be closing. Oh, no. Yeah, it closes on August 31st, and we usually post on Sunday nights. Yeah, that'll be, well, that'll be Sunday. So if I can get this show out, if I can get this show out Saturday. Yeah, if, if, if the show goes up a little earlier than normal, maybe people will be able to throw in if this is something that they're interested in seeing happen. And I think you should be. Yes, I agree. So after watching a little bit. Yeah. And you can get a cool acorn necklace from them, too. So I thought that uh, was cool. I like the acorn necklace. <laughs> I thought it was neat. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there are uh, additional actors being brought on, hopefully, for season two. Uh, Mr. Darling is going to be uh, 
played by Jim Beaver, who, uh, if you've ever seen the show Supernatural or Deadwood, uh, he's a character actor. Uh, if you don't recognize his name, you probably just know him as the guy with the beard. He's mm. always got like this big bushy beard and mustache. It was very pivotal through both seasons of Deadwood on HBO. That's a show I have to watch. It's a lot of cursing. Yeah. yeah that's what I hear. All right. So Peter Pan, Peter Pan now. Definitely go see the 2000 or rent or buy or the 2003 Peter Pan. Jason Isaacs, amazing as Hook. And uh, the New Adventures of Peter or Wendy web series on YouTube. Uh, hit their Indiegogo campaign and make sure that this cool show keeps rolling. Yeah. Pat, you're not dead, right? I'm kind of dead, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've been in and out, running in and out. Sorry. No, it's totally fine. Just just making sure you're okay, because we hadn't heard from you for uh, probably a good well, 10 I, minutes. It turns out I had myself on mute for a little while. I didn't even realize it, and then I had a couple <laughs> things that I probably didn't get caught, but whatever. <laughs> oh, you'd been contributing, not realizing your microphone was off? Not, just, a, not a lot, but I'd been saying a couple things here and there. and I didn't He just was, was like, why are they being such dicks to me? Right. <laughs> No, I'm making I'm making statements, man. No, it wasn't even like I, anything like that. I was just like, like laughing, like huh or what? You know, nothing major. So. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm right. So, so, you know. so uh, everybody's favorite interpretation of Peter Pan, Joel. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna go with the 2003 one that I haven't seen yet because I trust your judgment. Although I disagree with everything you guys say, so screw that. I'm gonna say Peter and Wendy New Adventures. He's flip-flopping, going with the version of the character he encountered two hours ago. Yes, <laughs> leave Peter in the well. <laughs> I don't remember the Mary Martin one. I did not like the Disney classic. I haven't seen the Jason Isaac one yet. And I have seen the new adventures of Peter and Wendy, and I enjoyed it. So we're going to go that route. Okay. Patrick? I'll go with the original, the 53 version. You racist. You're old school. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I, I watched as a kid, so I like it. Yeah. And I, uh, Josh? Whew, this is difficult for me um, because the portrayal of Peter Pan was not my favorite part of the 2003 version. Um, it's all about Hook, huh? It really was. I mean, yeah. he, the Pan was unoffensive, but the real uh, standouts were Hook and actually Wendy. The young actress they had playing Wendy was spectacular. Oh, 2003? Absolutely. That was uh, Veruca Salt from uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory also. Bang. Oh, from the... Uh, from the new one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was she was spectacular in this. I thought I recognized her. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Joel, uh, just he part does. of the humor that you enjoy, there is a lot of breaking of the fourth wall in the 2003 version that you will enjoy. <laughs> nice. So. so I think I'm going to have to give a reluctant uh, P uh, favorite Peter Pan from the 2003 version, but it, I think that if I get to see more of that first season of the web series, uh, I could actually be converted to uh, Joel's point of view, saying that uh, New Adventures of Peter and Wendy might actually make it for my favorite, because as Joel said, the character's kind of a jerk in the other interpretations. I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I do think Peter Pan is kind of an asshole in the 2003 version. Uh, forgetting who the kids are, you know, not really giving a damn about anybody else. Uh, for what we've seen of the new new adventures of Peter and Wendy, um, Peter Pan seems a lot more groovy. Yeah. <laughs> seems a little like Shaggy. Yeah, he does. Like yes. that, that cool Shaggy dude that you want to hang out with. Um, I, I'm going to lean towards, I do like the Peter Pan in the 2003 version, 
but I have yet to see enough of the Peter and Wendy, but I think my my favorite Peter Pan is going to lean towards the new adventures of Peter and Wendy. Uh, now, for what you've seen, favorite hook, I'm I'm just going straight up Jason Isaacs' hook from now on yeah, for me. That, that's obvious for me. Yeah. Far away. And the other two, you guys, I'm going to tell you, you're going to like, you're going to go with Jason Isaacs' hook as soon as you see this movie. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And oh, uh, one more bit of trivia from that movie, Josh. Yeah. The uh, tattoo that is on uh, Captain Hook's arm in the very beginning where he's shirtless and he's putting on his uh, truss for the uh, hook is actually the crest from the school where the character went to school. So That's like, really neat. Yeah. I mean, they did a lot of good research on this one, too. So Awesome. So uh, what do we have on tap for next week, gentlemen? Next week, Hawaii Five-0. Mm. Book them, Dana. That was Dragnet, wasn't it? No. No. That was Hawaii Five-0. I'm a just real the, boy. Just the facts, ma'am, was uh, Dragnet. Yeah, that was Dragnet. Oh, wow. So. This looks good for tomorrow, for uh, next week's show. Um <laughs> So, if uh, come on back next week, and we're going to be going over the original Hawaii Five O uh, TV series, and we're going to watch some of the new ones. And uh, if you want to hear some other of our shows, let's say maybe the uh, Soda Popinski show or the very first Conan the Barbarian show, look for us on Musings of a Geek Network. We're also every Saturday uh, at noon on Geek Life Radio. And our archives are on uh, www.40go14.com. And uh, if you want to get us and get more shows, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe are all places where you can find our older shows. And Josh, if they want to talk to us, where can they get us? Uh, you can get a hold of us by voice. It's 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Or you can email us, 40go14 at gmail.com, or send us a tweet. At 40 go 14. Right on. So, saying good night. You guys have been Rufio! Mm, Banger you, Rufio. Aw. Gotta make Rufio feel good. No, he's, got a, he's got a, he's got a fuchsia hair, man. I mean, seriously, what's the guy gotta do? Nearsighted gynecologist. That is a great insult. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. We're going to recording break. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I could just stop it. Oh. He <laughs> goes through this every time. I know. Every... Make the noise since I taught it. That was up. a different noise. I changed it up. I made it a fart noise. <laughs> and All I right. can't make my normal noise because I'm afraid I might poop myself.